Welcome into a game day edition of the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is with me as always. Eric, we are in Santa Clara. We are here on a Friday for a game day, second Friday game day of, of the year for the Oregon Ducks. Uh, and this one is a big one. It's the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, Oregon versus Utah. Oregon is the Pac-12 North champ. Utah is the Pac-12 South champ. Uh, the Ducks are 13. Utah is fifth. So Utah is playing for playoff hopes. They win. They're probably in the college football playoff. Uh, Oregon wins. They are in the Rose Bowl. And we should also note that if Utah makes the playoff, Oregon probably gets into the, into the Rose Bowl regardless. So, uh, interesting dynamic there to watch for, but Oregon wants to win the conference. They want to be champions. They want to have their first conference championship since the 2014 season. Uh, this is the second straight year that Utah has made the Pac-12 championship game. They played a very ugly game against Washington last year and did not win. Uh, Oregon leads this series 22 to 10, uh, dating back all the way to 1933 when the Ducks won 26 to 7 in Eugene. Uh, neither team has won more than three straight in the series. Uh, and the Ducks currently hold a series edge of four to two, uh, since Utah joined the Pac-12, uh, a couple years ago, or about, now about a decade ago. Uh, right. Utah won the last meeting last season in Salt Lake City. Uh, early November, Oregon lost 32 to 24, and that was a game in which just a lot of things didn't go right, uh, for, for Oregon in that football game until very end and, uh, their comeback came, was a little too little too late, uh, for this game. But nonetheless, here we are, Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, I, I think this is what everyone expected, right? Everyone, if you told everyone at the beginning of the season, hey, Oregon's gonna go 10 and 2, in the regular season, they're going to play in the conference championship, and if they win, they make the Rose Bowl. I think everyone across the board of Oregon's fan base would take that in a heartbeat, without a doubt. But I think the journey to get there has kind of maybe changed the opinion of this season. Um, but Oregon now has an opportunity of of a one-game playoff where if they win, the year can still end. And it, it should end regardless of how they finish this game, but could end on a really, really high note. No question about it. And just one thing here, because I saw this on Twitter, a couple people suggesting this week of like, maybe Oregon should like sit at starters in this game because <laughs> if Utah wins really dominantly, then they get into the college football playoff and then Oregon is assured a spot in the Rose Bowl. Um, that is never going to happen. <laughs> that makes no sense. Like these guys want to win the conference so bad. Like that's, that's, that's a huge driving force. Like I know everyone wants to play in a Rose Bowl or play in a national championship game, but Winning a conference is really special. And, and, again, only one team in the conference does it every year, obviously. That's the way they're the conference champion. And to be that team after, you know, about half a decade uh, without playing and, you know, playing for these kind of opportunities, this is a huge game for the program. I don't think you can overlook that. And while I know people are, are, are kind of salty about the way they finish the regular season and, and some people might say uh, that, you know, the season has kind of been a disappointment because they aren't going to be playing for a national championship or whatnot. Um, there's still, like you said a second ago, so much to play for here. And beating a Utah team who is undoubtedly the best team Oregon has faced this season, I think you look at the numbers and it's like it's really hard to argue anyone's really all that close. That would be a humongous accomplishment, you know. Um, not that you want to play spoiler to the Pac-12 because ultimately everybody wants the Pac-12 to at least have a team in the playoff or, or to be considered in that regard, but... If Oregon can go out and knock Utah out of this conversation, 
that makes this season all that more special in my mind because then you go to the Rose Bowl and you kind of go on on the right way. I know we talked about it previously. Like you could back into it technically where you lose this week and that means you lose two of your last three games, so you still go to Pasadena. But going there with coming off a win over a Utah team that is again like. They're one of the most talented teams in the country, absolutely. And I, I think they would be competitive in a college football playoff uh, game, you know, if, if they do get there. But, again, I think Oregon is going to do everything they can to, to stop that, and I think they have a decent chance to do so. Uh, this week is, is is kind of interesting. It's a shortened week, especially for a conference championship game. I kind of wish they wouldn't have set it up like that. Like, right, this is kind of the biggest game of the season in the conference, and you give them, a, you know, a one a last day to week. prepare. Like, right. well, why, are, why are we doing that? I mean, I get it from, like, a TV perspective, but, again, this is a, a thing where if I, I kind of have a, a gripe with Larry Scott of, like, I know you want to try to get more eyes on the TV, but maybe you want to care a little bit about the quality of the game instead and, and maybe maybe put the game on a Saturday like every other major conference championship game. But regardless, I, I, I'm really excited to, to, to kind of see what happens in this one. Um, I, I think if Oregon plays the way they played the last couple of weeks, it's probably not going to go very well, but this team – I think it gets kind of overlooked how good they were for such a long part of the season. And I think that's what made it so frustrating the way they played the last couple of weeks because for a while it really felt like this team was a top-five team nationally, and they were ranked like that. Um, and they lose a couple games. They don't. They lose a game. They don't play very well, and I think everybody kind of throws their arms up in frustration. But, like, I still think if they get back to playing like they were playing midway through October to early November, like, this team can absolutely go out and win this football game. It's just a matter of getting to that point. This is the ninth all-time Pac-12 football championship game, uh, second time for Oregon, first for the Ducks since 2014, or excuse me, third time for the Ducks. Uh, they won the very first one, 2011, against UCLA, 49-31. to Then again, they won in 2014 against Arizona, 51-13. to And, uh, Eric, you were discussing this before we went on. Is most of these conference championship games have not been all that competitive. Uh, last season's game was... 10 to 3 uh in favor of Washington over Utah but that was a very ugly game neither team could really move the ball but it was clear Washington was the better team uh 2017 was a 3 point game 28 31 in favor of USC over Stanford that was a close football game uh and and then it goes back to 2012 the only other time out of the, the 9 uh when it was close Stanford won 27 to 24 over UCLA uh, also of note, uh, in the eight postseason conference championship games, the North Division has captured the Pac-12 crown seven times. Oregon's twice, Stanford is three, Washington is twice. USC's victory in 2017 over Stanford is the only time the, the South Division has won the conference championship game. Uh, interesting note there, maybe some history to that could fall in favor of Oregon there. You know, maybe. Uh, you know, and I think that just speaks to the fact that the North, for a long time, has been significantly better than the South. Um, there has, and, and I think really what it, up until this Utah team here for two straight years, there hasn't really been a dominant team in the South. USC had a moment there, but you look through here, like it's been, while it's been Oregon, Stanford, and Washington from the North every single year so far. The South has had UCLA in it twice. They've had Utah now in it twice. USC's been in it twice. Arizona State's been in it. Arizona's been in it. Colorado's been in it. Um, that's that's the entire South has been represented in these games. Um, and, and, I, and there just hasn't been one dominant team. And because of that, I think the North has just been better. So um, you could probably argue to a certain extent, like, 
Oregon has had a more difficult path because the Pac-12 North is probably better than the Pac-12 South this year, although based upon the standings, I don't know if I'd agree. But I'd also say, like, if you look and see in just the head-to-head matchup of how Oregon has faced off against um, teams from the Pac-12 North compared to Utah, Utah has fared just as well, if not better, against all of those teams. I mean, I think uh, the Washington game was close for both teams, but... Washington State played Oregon really tough. Oregon State played Oregon really tough. Cal played Oregon really tough. Stanford played Oregon pretty tough. And Utah really dismantled all those teams they played. Um, they didn't play Stanford this year, but, you know, the rest of those teams, or Oregon, but they didn't play, the rest of those teams they played, they beat them pretty handily. So, um, you know, I, I think Utah is is the real deal. And this is the first time that the Pac-12 South has really had a real deal team. Maybe in the entirety of this, these ranking, you know, of these conference championships games with, with the exception of maybe that USC team that won with Sam Darnold a couple of years ago. But you look back at the other teams that have been in the top 10, it was Arizona in 2014. We remember that game. That Arizona team was pretty good, but they weren't, nobody thought coming into that game that they were going to beat Oregon. And in 2016, same thing with Colorado, who got blasted by Washington of like, they were ranked ninth coming in, but that was a really strange year in the Pac-12 South. And Colorado was was a fun story, but I think everybody was kind of reserved to the fact that, like, they're not really a top-10 team. This Utah team is different, and that's why I think this game is going to be really fun is because so for so long, again, the Pac-12 North has just dominated these games. Well, the Pac-12 South probably has a better team this year. It's going to be on the Pac-12 North to, to kind of find a way to pull an upset. This Oregon team is coming into a championship game where, look, they haven't played their best offensively the last two weeks. Uh, I think – for probably the first 50 minutes of the game against ASU two weeks ago, it was very poor. And then they played lights out in the last 10 minutes of that game, uh, offensively. And then against Oregon State, they just, they, they were not at their best, in particular Justin Herbert. And, you know, I think everyone's come out and has admitted that, has said as such. Um, getting this offense back on track, I think drastically, impacts the scope of this football game um, because I, I'm a believer that when Oregon's offense and when Oregon at, as a whole is playing at their highest level, they are better than Utah. Now, the issue is, is Utah as a team, they have their flat line. Like when, when you look at their line, they, they don't have very many dips. They don't have very many peaks. You know, they are consistent as can be throughout this entire season. Who they are is basically who they've been all year. They've improved a little bit, but it, it's been a very slow, steady increase for them. You know, they're they're basically they don't have bad days essentially. Uh, they're consistent. And for Oregon this year, it's been you know they've had some extremely high peaks, and now they've had some extremely low valleys with their consistent level of play. Um, and but I still believe that if if Oregon gets back to playing their breast their best brand of football, they're the better team. They have the better quarterback. They have just as good of an offensive line, if not better of an offensive line. They have talent on the defensive side of the football that can rival what Utah does. It's just can they get themselves to playing at that level again, and can they do it in a quick week, short week, and can they do it against arguably the the best team right now in the conference in Utah? Um, that's going to be one of, you know, the biggest questions going into this game is how do they get specifically this offense? How do they get this group back on track? Right. 
Well, I think regardless of outcome, I just want to see Oregon playing at its best in this game. It would be a real disappointment, I think, if the regular season, I guess this is like an extension of the regular season, or you can call it the postseason, but whatever you want to call it. But if this game feels similar to the last two weeks and Oregon is just flat offensively, Justin Herbert is inconsistent making his throws, the running game is up and down, or you know, the running game's actually been pretty good the last couple weeks and just have gotten away from it because of the score um, and, and kind of the need to, to kind of throw it a little bit. But um, regardless of the outcome, I just want to see Oregon playing well. I, I, it would be so disappointing, I think, to, to, for this to be a situation where Oregon has this incredible season. They won 8-1 and one in Pac-12 play. And we should say no one in, since the Pac-12 expanded to 12 teams in 2011 has won nine games in conference. And only a handful of teams have won eight. So this is a special season. I don't think we, we should overlook that. It would just be really disappointing if if they come out firing blanks this week in, in a game where they should be playing at their best. You know, you want these seasons to be seasons where you're peaking at the right times, and it doesn't seem like Oregon has really done that. Um, and I just hope that they can kind of course correct and that they play at a high level because I, I, I agree with you. I think to a certain extent, like I think if Oregon plays its best game and Utah plays its best game, I think Oregon's probably going to win that game. Um, but I do think that, like, if Oregon plays a B-plus game and Utah plays its A game, like, I, I don't think the differential is very large, and I think Utah probably wins if they play just a slight, you know, a slight little bit better of their potential. So um, I want to see Herbert take some steps here. Uh, you know, he's taken a lot of criticism from Oregon fans over the last couple of weeks for his play. I think some of that's been merited. I don't think he's been very good, but... I think a lot of people overlook how good he can be and the level he's been at at times this season and have kind of made it a, wow, what, what have you done for me lately thing where he hasn't done much lately. And so, man, this season's been a bummer. But let's not forget he had 28 touchdown passes to just three interceptions not too long ago um, and, and was completing passes, you know, about, about, about 70% clip. Um, he's been rough the last couple of weeks, but if he can get it figured out, there's no doubt in my mind he can do some stuff against this Utah defense, and in particular because, you know, we, we spoke with Steve Bartle on yesterday's show, but, like, the, the kind of the way to beat this Utah defense is to try to air it out and throw it downfield. And so I don't think we can overlook that fact that Herbert's probably the best quarterback Utah's faced this season, and if he plays at his best, maybe that's going to be a situation where they can take advantage of of Utah's lone weakness, even if it isn't a, a huge glaring weakness, because like we said earlier in the week, they are in the top 10 nationally in a lot of past defensive statistics as well. All right, getting this offense back on track, how are they going to do that? I, I think in this game against Utah, um, I went on the radio in Utah this week and did an interview there um, and, and was asked, how can Oregon beat this Utah defense? And I, I think it's, we had Steve Bartle on our, our podcast yesterday, and he talked about stretching the field vertically and taking deep shots. Um, I, I I think it, it, it's more than just vertical shots. I think it's stretching the field horizontally and and vertically. And by that I mean you've got to be able to see if you can get some screen plays to Travis Dye, some swing passes to your running backs. Some screens to Jalen Red or Johnny Johnson, you know, to the left or right side and make this, make this Utah team have to run and cover a lot of ground and do it consistently where you're having to defend sustained drives where Oregon is putting together eight, nine, 10, 11 play drives 
that are going the length of the field and, and you're testing them vertically. And then on the next play, you're testing them horizontally where you're playing sideline to sideline and you, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to run at them and, and take them head on. Um, that's still always going to be an issue, but I think the bigger thing here is try and make this Utah defense tired so that in the second half on a short week, you can be ultra aggressive and know that, Hey, they're tired. They've got their hands on their hips. They're, you know, one-on-one tackles aren't being completed. Guys are falling forward for an extra yard or two when they get tackled. Um, you've got to figure out ways to stretch this defense. And I think, I think to do that, that, that starts with Justin Herbert. I think Oregon's got to come out and they've got to get Herbert going early. He's got to have a big game. He's got to have, uh, where he's, he's connecting on the short routes. He's connecting on the intermediate and he's connecting on the deep routes. Uh, for this game, if if Herbert's if Herbert's playing well, Oregon's going to have, I think, more than just a good chance to win this game. Yeah, I think you actually brought up a really good point there in terms of like you look at the way Utah's played defense this season, and they've defended. I've just pulled this up; it's kind of remarkable. They defended 690 plays all season. The next fewest plays defended is Washington State at 805. So that's like 115 fewer plays. Than any other opponent, and, and you you know that's over the course of a season, that's like ten fewer plays a game that they have to defend, and part of that has to do with the fact that they're so darn good defending the run. You know what I mean? In terms of like they don't really let the oppo- opponent uh, get drives going, they don't have extended drives, they they force punts. Uh, but if you're Oregon and you can find a way to they have those extended drives. Yeah, maybe in the fourth quarter you can tire out a Utah defense that just hasn't been tired out very often this year. And, and maybe that is kind of the, the key is you have these long extended drives and maybe a couple of them result in touchdowns, maybe a couple result in field goals. But if you can keep them out on the field longer than they're used to being out on the field, I think that's that's a sneaky important part of this is like, the way Utah's defended this year and their success, and you can't discount how incredibly impressive a lot of these numbers are. I mean, they've allowed 675 rushing yards all season long. I mean, that is an incredible number. But if you can force them to stay out on the field a little bit longer than they're used to and to expend more energy than they're used to, maybe this is a thing where if it's a tight game in the fourth quarter, Oregon starts to have some success on a tired defense, which is, again, a place that Utah really hasn't been this year. So I think that, to me, that's a sneaky important part is if you can find ways to wear these guys out, and I think a lot of that starts with the offensive line play because it's hard to get extended drives unless you're able to convert those third downs, and it's hard to convert third downs when they're third and long. And they're going to be in third and long if, if you aren't able to pick up two to five yards per carry on the ground. If, you're, if, it's, if it's every rush play is at the stop at the line of scrimmage, you're, you know, you're facing third and 10, third and 12, those are hard to convert and it's hard to get extended drives. But if you can have a, a solid running game where even if you're not you know, tearing off 12-yard carries here and there, if it, even if it's just four or five yards, it sets you up for short third downs, which sets you up for longer drives. To me, that's kind of the winning formula against Utah. You want to actually kind of do to Utah what Utah does to the opponent, which is control the time of possession and force that defense to get tired because, again – 690 plays all season. It's a lot. You know, that's, that's, yeah. I mean, it's so that, that, to me, that's, that's a, a critical part of this. All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back, uh, finish up the podcast. All right. Matt Prem, Eric Scopel here on the Austin Audible's podcast. 
uh, game day edition. Let's real quick before we dive into our top, our, our, our bold predictions for this game, injury report. Um, Oregon isn't going to be really, I, I think from an injury standpoint, Oregon, right, is about as, as healthy as they could possibly be going into this game. I mean, there's just not a lot of guys that are up in the air right now. I mean, I think Jake Hansen, it sounds like he's going to play. Um, obviously, we had a similar report last week, and he didn't play, so you got to keep an eye on, on that one up until probably kickoff. But, I mean, there, I can't think of a single like new injury that was suffered over the course of last week's game, um, which is, again, I'm knocking on wood furiously because that's an awesome trend. Um I know David Davis is a player I think Cristobal mentioned is kind of up in the air for, for Friday, but like I don't think there's really too many guys that you have to worry about. Obviously, you know, CJ Burdell and Jalen Red are probably still recovering to a certain extent. Troy Dye um, will still have to be kind of playing with one arm because of the way, you know, because of the thumb, but they're pretty healthy right now. And that's the way you want it to be because you see a lot of these games, like you look at see what's going on with Georgia, like, they're going to be pretty beat up against LSU because of suspensions and because of injuries and whatnot. This is an Oregon team that comes into this conference championship game, you know, with the exception of, you know, half a hit, you know, with a handful and a little bit more um, of that season ending injuries that that's pretty healthy. Um, and that's exactly where you want it to be. Um, I think Jake Hansen, probably the only one where on Friday and probably about four, four thirty or so will be kind of keeping an eye to see if he's with the first team, if he's available or not. But outside of that, like, yeah, I'm not, really all that concerned from an injury perspective coming into this game. All right, let's go into bold predictions. I'll start things off. Um, last week was a very bad performance from Justin Herbert. Uh, I think everyone that watched that football game, that looked at the box score of that game, could figure that out. Uh, I think Herbert's going to have a career game against Utah. I, I'm not going to say it's his best, but this is going to be one of his better passing games, one of his just overall games of his career. It seems like at the most important times of his career, he has had big games, whether that's against Washington this year or USC this year or Auburn this year, uh, Stanford last year, Washington last year, Utah as a freshman back in 2016. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I just think... Herbert's going to have one of those Herbert signature games. He seems to always show up uh, at the most opportunistic time for when Oregon needs a big game out of him. Uh, he usually has those good, he usually has those games. And I think, I think Friday night is going to be one of those days where in the big, in a big moment with, a, with everything on the line, he plays well. Don't know if it's going to be enough to win the game, but he's going to play well. Sticking on the offensive side of the ball, we've talked about this all week, and if, if you're not aware of how good Utah is rushing the football, then you probably haven't been listening to any podcast or, or reading any of our coverage. But I think Oregon is going to become the second team all season to rush for more than 100 yards against Utah. Um, Arizona State's the only other team as a team to do it. I don't think we're, I'm not predicting Oregon's going to have like Verdell run for 100 plus yards or Travis die or anything like that. But I think cumulatively. Oregon provides the biggest test for this Utah defense all season up front. I mean, this Oregon offensive line has NFL guys basically from left to right. I think, you know, Warmack is probably not going to get a huge NFL opportunity, but the rest of those guys are going to be NFL players. And I think they're going to win some battles against Utah, and I think the result of that is going to be more than 100 yards rushing. 
I'm not predicting that they're going to run for like 200 yards or something absurd. I just think that's a ton to ask, but I think Oregon is going to do enough on the ground, and that's why this game will continue to be competitive late into the game, whereas games, most of Utah's games this season haven't been, but that's because I think Oregon is going to be able to establish a running game. Again, not expecting it to be super prolific, but enough of one to keep Utah honest defensively. All right, sticking with the run game, I'm I'm feeling something similar to you. Um, I think it's going to come from Travis Dye. I think he's going to have 130 yards of total offense. That's not running. I right. just think he's going to have 130 yards of total offense. Could be either rushing or receiving. Got a feeling he's going to be uh, a big piece to this game for Oregon's offense. The Ducks have seen his his production increase the last few weeks. I think he's their best option in the passing game out of the running back spot. I think they've had some big games on screens with him. Uh, I think he's running harder. He's running better than he has the last, you know, three or four weeks than we've seen previously from him. So I'm thinking a big game from Travis Dye. He might lead the team in all-purpose yards with 130 or more yards in this football game. My next one here is is a defensive one. You look at how incredibly consistent Tyler Huntley has been this season. And not only that, only two interceptions all season, but not only that, he's only been sacked 13 times, which is far and away the, the best in, in the conference. Um, I think Oregon is going to change that a little bit. I'm, again, I think we're both – neither of us are going too bold in these predictions because you're facing a really good Utah team and coming out and being like, they're going to sack Tyler Huntley nine times. Feels, <laughs> feels ludicrous and just really stupid thing to say. But I think they're going to get um, – Three sacks, which is, which would be the wow. new season best against this Utah offensive line. And I think that's going to result in only Tyler Huntley's third interception of the season. He has picks this year against the Arizona schools, one against Arizona, one against Arizona State. Other than that, it's been clean play from him. Um, I think they're going to get to him a little bit. I, in particular, and I'm not even going to include this in like the bold prediction story I write in terms of who's it going to be, but in particular, I think Kayvon Thibodeau coming off that, that, you know, that left side, I could see him getting to Huntley a little bit. It just seems like when the games are the biggest, the players like him step up. And I have a hunch that this is a game where he's going to make some plays, and, and I think that's going to result in maybe some mistakes from Huntley, who I, I just pulled up the stats in here. I'm looking at how he's played the last four games. 19 Ridiculous. For 20, 19 for 24, 14 for 18, 19 for 23, 14 for 17. Uh, he's barely throwing incomplete passes. You know, yeah. his worst throwing game of the whole season, 12 for 19 against Arizona State. Um, he has not thrown for fewer than 63% all season. He's thrown over 70% in nine games, this no, 10 games this season. So, I mean, those are incredible stats. But I think Oregon is able to get some stuff going up front, which is something we haven't seen in a while from this defense, but I think they're still capable of. What's pretty impressive about this Utah front line is they've only got two upperclassmen that start. Um, Darren Puallo is a senior at left tackle. Uh, and then Orlando Uana is a junior at center. And then they start a freshman at right tackle, a sophomore at right guard, and a freshman at left guard. So you, you could argue that, yeah, maybe, maybe Kayvon Thibodeau gets matched up against Simi Muala, a true freshman right tackle, and makes some plays and, you know, uses his speed off the edge to, to beat a fellow freshman. So I like that pick. Um, I'm sticking with Oregon's offense again in this one. Um, Utah's defensive end, Bradley Ane, is one of the best defensive linemen in the country. He's got 12 and a half sacks on the year. He started 36 games for the Utes, 29 straight. He's played in 45 games. He's experienced. He's going to be in the NFL. He's going to be a high draft pick. 
he's been a terror for every team. Um, I, I don't think he has a sack in this game. I, I, I think he gets matched up either against Panay Sewell at left tackle, uh, they, where Oregon just, you know, they have the better player in my mind. Uh, I think, I think Sewell is a top 10 pick next year in the NFL draft for 2021. Um, or he's matched up against Calvin Throckmorton because Jake Hansen's back. Now, I will say this. This, this does not count if Jake Hansen does not play at center. If he does not play at center, Anae will get a sack because Oregon's offensive line is significantly different when Throckmorton is at center and Ayala was at right tackle. But if Throckmorton is at right tackle and Penae Sewell is at left, I don't think Bradley Anae gets, gets a sack against the Oregon Ducks. Doesn't mean Herbert doesn't get sacked. He'll get sacked by other guys, but I don't think Anae gets it. All right. Uh, this one is not positive in Oregon's end here, but I just have a hunch Zach Moss is going to have a big game. Um, I said earlier that I just think sometimes the big players have big moments in big games. I, I think Moss, who's kind of unquestioned the best running back in this conference right now, a guy Oregon hasn't had to face because of injury you know, for a couple of years here, um, despite him being very involved in this Utah offense for a while, I think he's going to run for over 150 yards. And I think he's going to score two touchdowns. I think I think Oregon, for as good as they've been against the run for most of the season, I think they're going to have a hard time with him. You, you know, you, you look at the way Oregon has tackled in space recently, and I don't think it's been awful, but there have been times where they haven't. You look at the way they tackled Eno Benjamin. I think that they struggled at times to bring him down. And Moss is a much more talented and much bigger and much more strong running back. And uh, if Oregon is unable to make those tackles in space, and it's hard to bring a guy like him down. I mean, he's 225 pounds, and he moves very, very well. He's very physical in how he runs. I, I could see him having a big game, and, and, and that's why I'm predicting a couple of touchdowns and 150 yards. I think he is the focal point of this offense like he has been all season. And really, I think outside of him, Oregon does a pretty good job defending Utah, but I, I just think Matt Moss is a very difficult matchup for any defense, including Oregon. It's funny because this was going to be mine as well. Um, I, I was going to have... Um, a really big performance for Zach Moss. So much so, I, I think this might be the most yards Oregon allows on the ground to a single running back in a very long time. I have Moss going over 200, uh, wow. a, a, against Oregon's run defense. I, I, I just think, I, I, to your point earlier about how you think Kayvon Thibodeau could get some pressure, Tyler Hunt, Huntley could create some turnovers for, for Utah and, um, throw his, his, you know, third pick of the season. I think that's going to happen early and Utah is just going to lean on Moss. Uh, this is going to be a game in which it wouldn't surprise me if Utah maybe runs the football 45 times during this game. Um, I think Moss is going to be, uh, a, a, a big beneficiary of that. And so I, I have Moss going over 200 yards on the ground. All right. I think Oregon is going to have a special team score. Um, they've been doing that a lot recently. You know, you go back to that USC game. They've had two in the last four games, both from Mikhail Wright. Um, I think they're going to get another one. I don't know if it's going to be right in a kickoff return. I wouldn't be shocked if, team, if teams just, like, literally stop trying to kick it to him and just kick it through the end zone or something or kick it to the other side of the field. But um, I think Oregon is going to – you know, you look at this matchup, I think Utah's clearly awesome in the trenches, and they have some really good athletes. But Oregon has better team speed. And I don't think anyone would debate that with you. I think the team speed for Oregon is going to find a way to kind of impact this game. And I do think Oregon 
has a special teams score, punt return, kickoff return. Maybe it's maybe it's going to be a blocked kick for a touchdown. Who knows? But like, I just think this game is going to get kind of weird, and I think Oregon's going to be able to manufacture some some scoring with its special teams on the field. All right, my last one is a defensive one for Oregon, and because I think Utah is going to run the football so much, uh, I think Troy Dye has his best for last. He has a career high. 15 tackles earlier this year to open the season against Auburn. Uh, he was all over the place. I think this is going to be a game in which he tops 15 tackles. He has 16 or more, uh, including a couple tackles for loss in this football game. I, I, I think Troy Dye has by far his best game as an Oregon Duck uh, at the inside linebacker position for Oregon uh, in his last regular season game as an Oregon Duck ever. I like that one. Um Unfortunately, the trend for Die has been when he plays well, Oregon loses statistically. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Auburn and Arizona State were the, his two best games, and those didn't go Oregon's way. Um, my last one here, and this one maybe this feels like the boldest one I've, I've got here, but I think Oregon is going to find a way to run more plays than Utah, um, which is kind of strange considering I just talked about how Zach Moss is going to have a big day running the football, but Utah's been so dominant in terms of, like, controlling time of possession and, and just controlling the football. They're, they're lead the conference in that regard. Oregon's actually 10th, um, and Oregon possesses it about six fewer minutes per game that, than Utah does. But I'm not saying Oregon's going to possess it more because I do think when when Oregon has the football, they will be trying to throw it more than Utah because Utah will, I think, stick with Moss on the ground, and, and Huntley will probably only throw the ball between 15 to 25 times. 30 if Oregon is really in control of the game, and they have to. Um, but I think Oregon is going to run more plays, and I think that's going to be in part because they're going to need it to kind of stay stay in this game. They're, they're going to need to uh, to maximize their offensive opportunities, and I think they're going to. I do think there's going to be some extended drives here, like I said earlier in the podcast. I, I think they're going to be able to do that, um, and I think they'll end up running not a ton more plays. Like, I don't think they're going to run 15 more, but I think they're going to have a slight edge in terms of the number of plays run in this game, and I think that's a critical part of this. All right, so score predictions. Um, yeah. I I think this is going to be a game in which going into the fourth quarter, Oregon is going to be leading twenty-one to seventeen, and the Utes will score a touchdown to take a quick twenty-four twenty-one lead. Early moments of that fourth quarter, Oregon will then drive down, score a touchdown, and be up twenty-eight twenty-four. Uh, it basically they need one defensive stop and then they can run the clock out and they can get out of the, out of the Santa Clara as Pac-12 champions. I just don't see it happening. I think this is going to be an agonizing defeat for Oregon. Um, they're going to, the Utes are going to just drive down the entire length of the field and score a touchdown with a minute, let maybe less than a minute to go in this game to walk out of Santa Clara with a 31-28 victory. But I think this is going to be a game in which we learn a lot about both teams. I think the overwhelming theme from this game is, wow, Utah is legit. They are they are a playoff team. Put them in. And at the same time, it's going to be, wow, Oregon played a really, really good team and almost won, and they still go to the Rose Bowl because uh, Utah makes the college football playoff. Oregon really doesn't drop at all in the college football playoff rankings, which doesn't matter, uh, but they don't really drop at all. Uh, and, and Oregon somehow, crazy as it sounds, loses the game and still goes to the Rose Bowl. So I have Utah winning 31 to 28. 
We've done it again, Matt. Almost identical scores. Um, <laughs> and I and I and I'll say this: I didn't just come up with this on the spot either. I actually, um, Dan Sorensen from Ute Zone, we did, we swapped a Q and A this week, and I had already sent him my score prediction um, on on Tuesday. I have Utah winning thirty-one twenty-four. So not exactly your score, but it's very similar. And I think I, I agree with a lot of what you just said in terms of like I think this is going to be a really really competitive game until late. I think I think there's going to be I think this game's going to be decided in the fourth quarter. I, I don't think one side is going to be dominant enough where you go out you know you finish the third quarter and the teams come out and it's second string or it's just kind of like one team is just trying to throw the ball down the field because they're down so much. I, I think this is going to be a game where it's really competitive throughout. Oregon will have close to its best shot. I think they're going to play close to their best game, um, but it's not going to be quite enough. I think Utah is just. They're driven this season. They've got a, they've had a special season led by some special seniors, and I just think they have what it takes to finish this one. Even though I expect Oregon to be really competitive in this game, even though I think expect Oregon fans to come away being like, "Well, it sucks to lose that game." I think you know Oregon loses to Arizona State, everyone loses their mind. Oregon barely beats Oregon State, everyone loses their mind. I think Oregon losing a very competitive game to Utah, a game where they play close to their best football. Fans are going to come away being like, hey, it's a loss that stinks, but at least they put it all on their line. At least they put it all out there on the line. At least Herbert had a better game. At least Oregon was able to really challenge Utah in this one, and it's not like a game that we're dis- you're kind of embarrassed or disappointed by. Um, that's my expectation. I think we're on the same page in a lot of way. And like you, Matt, I do think Utah, with the win over Oregon, gets into the cultural playoff, and that lets Oregon play in Pasadena on New Year's Day. It's funny. I, I think this is going to be a game in which for like at halftime, it's going to be like 17-14. And it's going to be billed as, wow, this was just two really good defenses duking it out. You know, just very, very minimal scoring, not a lot of explosion plays, you know, very, very tough defensive minded game. And then for much of the third quarter, it'll be much, it'll be very similar. And then in the last, I don't know, 20 minutes of this football game, it, it'll, it'll change. We see this all the time. Where it changes and um, the game goes from where neither team can really score because the defenses are playing so well to neither defense can stop the other one and whoever has the ball last wins the football game. That's that's kind of how I, I I see this game playing out. I I, I think that could be. I I don't think I, we, we're disagreeing on much on that. I mean, I, I do think it, it will be a game where it comes down to a couple possessions late. And ultimately, I just trust Utah's ability to get it done late a little bit more than Oregon's right now. And I think, I I really do. And I wrote this um, in a story earlier this week of just like, if if we were playing this game a week after Oregon had just stumped USC, I'd probably pick an Oregon to win by 10 points. But since the bye week, they played okay against Arizona. It wasn't their best game. And then they turned out and just played two pretty crappy games in consecutive weeks against inferior teams. They lost one. They won the other one. But I, I think my, my confidence is a little bit shaken right now in terms of, like, picking Oregon in a game against Utah, who's done absolutely nothing to dissuade you from picking them. You know what I mean? Like, what you can't really pick at what Utah's done over the last eight games and be like, there it is. That's the reason Oregon's going to beat Utah. I mean, they've won eight right. straight games and they've, dom- they've dominated every game. So I just have a hard time, if I'm being totally honest, picking Oregon to win because that means that I'm picking them over a Utah team, which is just looks like the real deal right now. Yep, I agree. All right, so that's it for us on the Austin Audible's podcast, game day edition, Friday edition. 
we will be back on the podcast Friday night from Levi Stadium's press box after an Oregon game in which we don't know if they win or if, if they lose. We're expecting a loss, but I, I think I speak for Eric and myself. It wouldn't surprise us in the lead, in the slightest if Oregon walks off the football field victorious and has Pac-12 champs. Uh, I, I think they they can win this game, and it wouldn't be the biggest surprise at all. Hence, both of us are clicking uh, a very short, close game uh, outcome for this football game. So, for Eric Scopel, myself, Matt Frame, thanks for listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Adios, amigos.